Fellow knowledge seekers, I hope you've had a chance to listen to the Waterline podcast on iTunes or in your Android podcast app. People ask me all the time, Shane, what's the future look like? Are we going to flourish? Are we are, are we going to drive ourselves to extinction? Are we going to destroy everything? Are we going to create heaven on earth? A big part of that incredibly complicated question is water. Water is absolutely fundamental to life. And knowing what is going on with water, the various technologies, the economics, political, social, behavioral, technological, and environmental aspects of water around the globe is really fundamental to understanding questions like that. And if you guys are into science and learning about things that affect our lives and the world, which I know you are, I believe the Waterline podcast is for for you. I just finished a episode called Water for All Regulation all about comparing the different regulations in different areas like the Israeli water law passed in 1959 and comparing how their system of of regulating water compares to California's model of regulating and how We might work together to figure out the best pros and the cons of different systems all around the world. Very, very important stuff. Please check out the Waterline podcast on your Android app and at the iTunes store. Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hey everybody, welcome to the Here We Are podcast. Uh, this week is second week in a row talking about psychedelics usually we mix it up a little bit more but today this uh, this week in particular is a very special week just had some very uh good news and so i wanted to get this out there right away uh, to update you guys with uh with what's going on in the world of psychedelic research today joining me is clinical study associate for maps the multidisciplinary association of psychedelic studies uh the uh in the Public Benefit Corporation. Allison Willens joins me. Allison, what's what's the Public Benefit Corporation um, side of MAPS? So uh, MPBC, MAPS Public Benefit Corporation, is the wholly owned subsidiary of MAPS. Uh, we're responsible for running the clinical trials that MAPS sponsors. So MAPS holds the application with the FDA for developing MDMA into a medicine um, and MPBC um, is running those trials on behalf of MAPS. Mm. Um, so I, I, let's just cut to the chase. We had some great news yeah. this week. Can, can you uh, share with the audience uh, what happened um, this Tuesday? Well, this last so Tuesday. In, when, you, when you have a, in, in the drug development process, you have to go through multiple different phases with the FDA, multiple different phases of trials to test um, safety and efficacy before a drug can be applied, before you can apply to get a drug to market. Um, and MAPS just finished, we just had our end of phase two meeting with the FDA. What, what's, can you talk about the differences in the phases? What, what's phase one and then phase two? Phase one is, is like a little bit of safety, 
Um, before that, you even have you have a bunch of non non clinical studies in animals. And phase two um, is is predominantly focused on collecting safety data and indicating that efficacy for your chosen indication um, is a possibility. Um, and in our case, uh, MDMA assisted therapy for PTSD, post traumatic stress disorder, is the indication that we are um, working with the FDA to develop MDMA into a medicine for predominantly. Um, and so, get the re, what's significant about this news? Uh, first of all, having an end of phase two meeting, um, and and having it go go like it did, getting um, having the FDA tell us. So on Tuesday, yeah. there is this is in Washington. You sat with the uh, um, uh, the FDA. There are like what, twelve uh, FDA people and six maps people. Or yeah, something that was like about that. how it went. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and then uh, what what how. What happens during that meeting? During that meeting, they the FDA reviews our phase two data and basically decides whether or not um, MDMA is wh- whether or not we are okay to go ahead for larger scale trials to, to show efficacy. Completing the phase two program and moving to this next phase is is significant because it means that MDMA has been acknowledged as safe enough to pursue as a as a treatment. Um, to investigating whether it can work for, for PTSD. So in the phase three, we're going to have um, a lot more participants. Um, over 200 participants will be in the phase three trial, um, and which is great in and of itself because it means that many more people will have access to the treatment who might not have had before. Um, and it's going to get us uh, the statistical power that we need to show, to demonstrate that MDMA-assisted therapy for, uh, uh, for PTSD is a viable treatment. So it's approved. They've approved it. The, <laughs> well, so the, 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 they approved phase three. The, yeah, the word approved is like because they, ha- they have to approve the trial specifically. We haven't like sent them the study design or anything like that, and they haven't oh, approved that. So we have to be careful about saying, using that language. But they, they, get, yeah, they gave us the green light to start preparing for phase three trials. That's wonderful news. Um, so, so what will happen during phase three? Because I hear... Um, uh, Often I've heard that lots more therapists need to be trained in just to, is it because you need to do it all over the country for, to eliminate like cultural variables or isn't it, why can't, or is it just too much work for the existing um, so having So having um, our, our current program has, um, I think 107 people completed our phase two program or we have that's part. Yeah, we can, we can check that. (laughs) Um, And so, but, and so having over 200 for the next trial is like significantly larger than we've ever done before. And it's going to be spread over 10 sites um, all across the country um, and also internationally. Uh, You know, one question that I get asked all the time after shows when people know that I'm sponsored by maps um, there's there's a lot of people out there that are interested in in moving into this field and and very interested in studying psychedelics and um, uh, students are, are already people doing researchers that are just looking to get into that. Is, uh, how how does that process work? If someone wants to do research for maps or if someone wants to work with maps um, in any way, how I, like, how did you get started doing this? How? What's the general process for that? 
Well, it depends on what you want to do. A lot of people want to be therapists, which is awesome. We need, you know, people going through training programs um, and becoming, you know, aware of the of the treatment process in a way that they can administer this medicine in the future. Um, but also there's other work to be done here besides being a psychedelic therapist. And I think a lot of people don't think about that often because the therapy is sort of the glamorous piece. But if you're willing to help build infrastructure, if you're willing to, you know, screen participants and, and, and do kind of the behind the scenes work, um, there's, there's definitely positions that come up, especially, I mean, the sites hire those people, um, who work for, who work at the sites, um, for the most part, and we, we hire the people here who work on this side of things. Um, yeah, so for example, I just got a little tour of the place, and it's a bit of a skeleton crew today because uh, Rick da- we're in Santa Cruz and Rick Doblin's in San Francisco giving a talk tonight, so a yeah. lot of people are missing today. But I, So I met a secretary and uh, someone with the communications uh, director and uh, graphic designer and... Uh, social media person. So there's there's a whole lot more that goes into this than... Totally. And so if you have a skill set, that is something that we need. Like right now, we need somebody who knows how to develop software for and, and, and build sites within SharePoint. Microsoft SharePoint is how we host our internal um, file system in the clinical for the clinical team. So if you're somebody who like knows how to do SharePoint development, you should email us. Um, we're also looking for a clinical operations associate to help us with invoice processing um, and contracts and other other operations type things. Um, so it's like if you are just trying to be involved and help, you know, be part of the machine that's working to make MDMA in medicine, there's places for people. What about um, what about Zendo? Do do you have to have a background in therapy? Uh, in therapy to a lot of people for- do. Um, and so, you know, if, if a lot of people have applied to work to volunteer for a particular festival, um, people who have experience in those environments and people who have either, you know, medical experience or the EMT experience, therapy experience will probably be given uh, preference over people who don't. But that being said, it is a peer to peer service. Um, and I don't have a therapy, you know, th- I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a licensed therapist, but I've volunteered with Zendo um, and it's been, you know, I feel like I've been able to. And they probably need people to help put up tents and pass yeah, out water and all yeah, sorts of. Totally. It seems like a really fun thing to volunteer for because there's there's a lot of wonderful stuff you can do. Though, like I I remember doing like Habitat for Humanity when mm-hmm. I was younger, and and it was like really wonderful to be building a home for uh people in need and everything but but the, an additional bonus to doing toward a, a good cause and doing this harm reduction stuff is you get to be at a music festival yeah, it's a good perk. <laughs> you know also yeah i built a shade helped build a shade structure out of lycra at the last one that i went to go help with and it was awesome and it's amazing how like just honestly like giving somebody a blanket can turn a trip around you know like yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know that I, I've had many, many trips in in the the difference in exact temperature. Temperature, is um, so important. Yeah, yeah, you can, especially cold for me. I'm sensitive to cold as it is, and so if it's the slightest bit cold out, I don't I don't handle it. Uh, 
I've volunteered and I've made tea for people. I've given them a flashlight and shown them where their camp is on the map. You know what I mean? And it's like, you can turn a a night around. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just by being nice. And people should just do that. If If you're at an event or if you're just like on the street and somebody's confused and scared, like be nice to that person and right. it can do a lot. Right. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> that, I think that's something that uh, uh, anyone can do that, that <laughs> is a pretty a little scary to do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I actually just, because it was Giving Tuesday, I was, uh, uh, this last Tuesday, I was inspired. I picked up a hitchhiker, just ah. some person. And I was nervous about it. I haven't done it like 15 years, and you don't know. But I was like, well, whatever, I'll take a chance. It was just some young kid that's backpacking around the country. Got him where he needed to go. And actually, I had him drive some of my car, so I was able to get some work done. Oh, while nice. It was <laughs> so much needed work, so so it was a win-win. But yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've often thought... Uh, because I've uh, sometimes um, I can see that happening at at a music festival a, a lot, where if you just have a little more experience, because sometimes it also it, it, it's kind of difficult to um, to get Zendo into more music festivals, right? Because it's because it's the idea is that you're encouraging this behavior or something if you're... Yeah, there's something called the Rave Act, which actually prevents um, a lot of venues from offering harm reduction services because it could be detrimental to their business. Yeah, so if if you're, uh, uh, if you're a listener to this show, there's probably a stronger than average chance that it, you're into psychedelics a little bit. I'll, we don't talk about psychedelics much on this show, but but still, I would I would say that more than the general population and so you probably go to uh, venues and events and it's pretty easy to see when someone's having a difficult time and uh and a lot of times uh a little bit of water getting someone water can go a long ways it's tripping people are also easier to deal with than drunk people because tripping people will accept your health <laughs> whereas one drunk hopes. people <laughs> one hopes yeah but you can i mean there's ways to I, I often think about how just de-escalation in general and, and establishing a rapport, like there are definitely times like I've witnessed in the Zendo that there are people who are more resistant. Um, and there's just things like about, you know, not approaching them with too many people so that they get scared, you know, like letting that creating a space that is inviting. Um, I think that a lot that, that law enforcement could benefit from a lot of the tactics that the Zendo uses to calm people down or to just create an environment in which they can become calm. It's, it's sort of like we have these, these principles that are guiding principles, um, and one of them is not talking down to people. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm trying not to say, like, you know, like you're calming them down, but you're providing a space in which they can feel calm. And I think, like, a lot – I mean, I think about all of these shootings that happen and, you know, that, like – how a lot of a lot of time a lot of more often than a lot a lot of times it's somebody in an altered state of consciousness whether that person's intoxicated or they're um, you know having a, a, a break. related to their mental health yeah. um, and need and I, I would love for mental health care to be considered um, an important part of successful public enforcement of public safety. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, I think you can pretty easily convince people to say hey let's get rid of this cancer stuff or you know, heart disease is important and 
and people uh, the the science is like clear enough for people to understand but the brain is so incredibly complicated that when you suggest things like therapy or meditation or something like that that's when that's when people start thinking like this is kind of like woohoo-y, like witchcrafty kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, this is a cult. They're scam artists. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I mean, there's there has been that in the past too. Yeah. So maybe people should be a, a little reluctant. But um, I, I mean, think just ca- caution. Like people should people should not take anything that they hear, and, you know, and be like, and not and not be an active participant in. In 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 making getting making themselves knowledgeable. If you hear something, and you're like, "Wow, that's interesting." Go look up more about it. You don't need to take my word for it that you know that we've had this big milestone or or your word chains. Like people can go up and look look up on the internet. You know, we have these tools. Um, and see other points of view yeah. as well. I mean, sometimes people can get themselves in trouble going to searching like one very specific thing and uh, like say conspiracy theorists right. fall you can go into down this a rabbit and, hole. <laughs> <laughs> and and then you're just kind of validating your own beliefs and and Fair so enough. so fi- finding finding ways to question um things what, sort of reliable news sources maybe are <laughs> yeah, good to really, cultivate yeah um, which are hard to know which ones are reliable I think for some people um I like the week by the way as a publication that has a pretty they show a little bit of everything but anyway we try um, to be transparent too um a lot of people come and they 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 have concerns they think um you know that we're giving people MDMA and they're going to be on it every day um and which is not true um we only do, in our uh studies people get uh, administered the the drug three times total throughout you know the entire treatment plan and it's one month apart each time, so it's actually less likely to, you know, develop an abusive. You're less likely to develop an abusive relationship with something that you're not taking every day. Um, and certainly, plenty of pharmaceutical drugs. Yeah, I, I mean, you're day. okay. The idea is, is you take this pill every day, and it and it alters the chemistry in your brain to make you feel happier or whatever it might be. Right. And, and this is something where this this is yes, there's a chemical change while you're on it, but this is about the experience that it provides, kind of reframing things and helping you process things that you can't otherwise um, process or or have a difficult time processing. And really, it's also kind of just um, I mean, a lot of a lot of people with PTSD could benefit. A tremendous amount from journaling or just going to therapy in general, right? And but MDMA can, for some people, kind of just be like a meditative therapeutic kind of steroid in a yeah, way. Yeah, you know, I, I think it, it acts as a, as sort of a catalyst for the therapeutic process by getting rid of barriers to the natural healing process that's happening. Um, you know, a lot of times when you're in therapy, um, there's there's things to overcome, like, you know, a heightened in PTSD um, participants in particular, a heightened fear response, you know, um, maybe more, maybe you're more closed off. Um, just, just the, the, just the idea that you could, you know, be um, something, something that can open you up, you know, um, make you feel more um, to, to, to let, to, to de- decrease that fear response and to make you feel more comfortable with the person you're talking to you can overcome you know, maybe a wall that was there that wasn't letting you go deep into a process with your therapist before. And just the fact that, like, you know, they're there for, 
for eight hours, you know, like a lot of people, they go to a therapist, it's one hour, maybe you had one thought, like, you know, during that, that you want to pursue, and then you'd say, okay, I'll see you next week. But like with this, you can really have an experience um, and go deep into material that you may have not been able to go deep with before. I had uh, I had one of the participants in my show last night in San Francisco. Cool. Oh, I wish I could remember his name, but he uh, he he was uh, had lots and lots of problems in his life stemming from PTSD, and was a participant who who um, I think it was just earlier this year uh, finished the third one, and and uh, it was or it was just about a year ago, and he. Like just could not say enough. This is a this is an older. He is probably like in his late forties or so, and you know this wasn't. It, it, like I always, I, psychedelics seem to be intertwined with like, like this new age movement, like so much in people's minds. People think you have to like have dreadlocks to right. do psychedelics. <laughs> and not, nothing against dreadlock <laughs> people, but 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 people have this idea, these stereotypes in their heads, and this is a. This is a veteran uh, who who was helped and treated um, by by this stuff, and I I do it, what I like about that is is I think that I think I'm from a pretty small town in Wisconsin where mm-hmm. um, I have a very blue collar upbringing. I did a lot of factory work, and and people are a little like rougher, like tough macho and i think it can be hard to get people opened up to the idea of therapy meditation yoga you know i I mean if you would have told me um 15 20 especially 20 years ago that i would i would be doing and enjoying yoga well actually i don't nearly enough but when i do do it it has a tremendous benefit um, I would have thought you're crazy, you know, and so, and, and, and same with, um, same with my view of, uh, of, of like the lovey dovey, like hippie community who are now, I mean, my girlfriend's a hippie. I, I love the, that community. Uh, but, but I, when I was younger, I definitely had these stereotypes and was definitely bought way more into like the kind of macho stuff. And I just stumbled upon psychedelics just you know, trying to have fun or whatever, and then ended up having these amazing therapeutic benefits from it and learning a lot about myself. And that's how I think that, I mean, as, as, uh, kind of discouraging as it might be, depending on how you look at it, some people might be much more open to taking like a, oh, you mean I can I can trip during my therapy? Yeah. You know, yeah. there's going to be a segment of the population that that will be more open to that almost than than just going into a therapist's office. You know, um, you know, it's kind of funny. I feel like um, I feel I feel that. A lot that, that that the recreational impulse is not always as easy to d- disentangle from the uh, impu- the drive for healing mm-hmm. as we might even think. Right. Um, I think a lot of people who go to music festivals are going there because they want a sense of connection, or they're like, "Oh wow, this is really cool," or it just seems like this magical place, this lo- this thing that like is this um, sort of. Gr- to encounter something that is greater than themselves. It's inspiring. Inspiring, right. Um, and 
you know, yeah, you know, to go to, to, to I, I, I went to, I go to um, a lot of uh, music events, and that for me was like, I would, I would equate it to church, like, like an experience where like you're going there. And I mean, not everyone feels this way, but I'm, I'm definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely like, my bias is I don't feel that way as much. I, yeah. I've, gained so much from I also had like I was such a partier and stuff and have learned lessons from being such a uh, crazy party animal that that that's what that's my own kind of bias that I have where I've gained many more benefits from just being by myself or with a close friend and introspective myself but uh, Rick, Rick mentioned this when I had him on as well and I've I've processed that and thought about it quite a bit since and the idea of having concerts be kind of a spiritual experience for people because it does seem like people need to have something to believe in and yeah sometimes... and why not the bass <laughs> why yeah. not the fact that the beat is gonna drop <laughs> yeah yeah very, very but, much but but I, I wasn't meaning it I, I was actually trying to make the point that that perhaps in that they're going for that purpose and maybe they're getting something out of it. Maybe, maybe they don't, maybe underlying that for a lot of people is a desire for healing. Um, and then, you know, maybe, and so a lot of people aren't, a lot of people aren't prepared for that on a conscious level. So mm-hmm. having spaces like the Zendo where it's like, okay, it's like just a quiet spot to sit, you know, like suddenly you're like, overwhelmed by content that you didn't think you were going to have to deal with at this party. Sensory overloads <laughs> are a common part of a psychedelic experience. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I can see people getting overwhelmed. Yeah, or even like, so we have a saying, uh, difficult is not the same as bad. Mm-hmm. And I really like that reframe for bad trips because a lot of times people like have like a really difficult experience and they'll come out of it and be like, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. And people were like, you were on the floor for hours. (laughs) But it's like, well, the container wasn't, you know, optimal for them to have that, you know, experience, but like they got something out of it that was important for them to, to confront. Um, And I think, so I think that's the benefit to having it in a therapeutic environment where it's like, there's not this sensory overload. There's people that that are there for you. You know, your blood pressure is being monitored, you know, like, but but there's pillows and you're, and you're cozy. And just to like, to really make it so that you're able to, to meet what comes up in that environment in a way that is comfortable and that is not going to be overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, I also... I, I think that most of the time when people are talking about a bad trip, they are misunderstanding what it's about and it's a difficult trip. But I also do have to admit that I feel like I've had, uh, there's one in particular that was a bad trip where I just, o- I just <laughs> overdid it, you yeah. know? And, and I think that can happen. I think that's such an important part of, of why, uh, if we can get this stuff in clinical use and eventually use it for other things, because I'm very careful in my show to be like, this isn't for everybody, you know, you have to be very safe and careful and do your research and blah, 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 and start small. Um, and I've just learned that the hard way. Yeah. Um, and uh, But I do think that if it were in a clinical setting, eventually I would be more apt to be like, yeah, why don't you give it a try if you're with someone, if you're in this safe environment and it's, uh, you know, there's a therapist there, like give it a shot especially before going to the concert at least having <laughs> to be able to get a little experience under your belt you know in the future i'm talking in the distant we're a long ways off from from i mean now we're 
just trying to get PTSD. Uh, but hopefully in the future, there'd be a lot more options for lots of other treatments. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. And for me, I love people, people who people work for maps and people are care about our work for lots of different reasons. You know, there are people who I'm sure see this as a path towards um, legalization and um, that I'm not going to, you know, I don't have any opinions against that at all. Um for me, the major reason why I care about this work is because I recognize the capacity of psychedelics um, for healing. Um, and so for me, like getting them available in a cl- clinical environment is the, is what's really, is the most important. Um, although, you know, the things uh, we talk about cognitive liberty, people want to, people have, you know, ideas about it. Yeah. Just, just that like, and, def- and definitely, um, well, I think it's yeah. I think it's a good first step yeah. for sure. Say 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 you're of the mindset that you want them to be legal, recreational for everybody or whatever. A great first step is to start treating these. It, it, I I look at where the marijuana movement um, did th- some things right and some things wrong. Yeah, and I think that the medical use of marijuana, like you get your medical card, and then the first thing they did was talk about OG Kush and make gummy bears. And it's like, well, come on. Now this isn't things separate. Yeah. 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 It would be like, let's, let's treat it like medicine until we win people over and, (laughs) and win, win the respect because, because my grandma is never going to do, uh, OG Kush, but my grandma might take a pill with a sciencey sounding name that is that has CBD in it that, that helps her appetite. Yeah, helps her appetite or arthritis or or who knows. I I don't know all of the benefits of marijuana, but um, but it, and and this CBD is something that has very little kind of a psychoactive effect and and something that it, my grandfather could take for pain for his. He has a bad hip and a bad foot, and you know he's old and and uh, and he they have him on like tremadol and stuff, and I would love it if he would instead be trying edibles a little bit each day to see if if that would help instead and and the reason why that's not happening is because like we uh, well i i feel the reason why is because we're kind of making the medical use of it look bad by kind of calling it uh these different names and and having it like everyone's just kind of throwing a party with it and it's a little too so so the people that are the most close-minded about it are the ones that are even more scared right now because they're like oh my god is everyone gonna be a hippie and like all these crazy ideas that uh, that um it's just these fears of the unknown that they have and so then like yeah to to realize that when we get approval for mdma as a medicine fingers crossed yeah uh, it's more than likely that it will be for, coupled with therapy, that the two, you know, you're not just going to be able to prescribe and, and, and prescribe it to people, you know, for they would have to be in clinics with approved therapists in that kind of setting. But I mean, we and we don't know because like we haven't had that conversation. That's like years down the road what that could look like. But um, it's probably it's not probably not going to be just like marijuana. Right, right. Well, e- even if it, it even if it were, you still need to like start small i feel like i i just i tried up i i I yeah i think i think once medical marijuana is it it 
if we could go back in time and redo it all again, uh, because really the only reason why it's getting so much progress now is because it's so lucrative and they're getting so many tax dollars, which I don't think you're going to get as much from psychedelics because it's not something that you're doing daily or whatever. We're not a for profit organization either. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> that makes it a little. Well, actually, well, so, and that's actually part of the purpose of the, of the Benefit Corporation is to help us, like, hopefully we would be able to um, become a supplier for research grade MDMA and use that money to fund more research into other psychedelic substances. But, um, yeah, right now we, all of our money is coming from private donations and uh, I think we, we, we have one grant, one, one federal grant. Sorry, one state grant from the state of Colorado. Um, well, so so people can go to Maps and donate, and uh, if they want, and and there's also there's also all sorts of fun events that you guys do, like the psychedelic. Uh, uh, actually, can you talk about the the conference coming up in the spring? Because since I had Rick on, um, I I had since been convinced to do the conference. I thought I was going to be. Uh, in Australia at the time, and oh, now I've I've changed my my plans to do the dinner, and I'm going to do uh, I'm going to do the comedy banquet, the first ever psychedelic comedy banquet. That's uh, awesome. Um, that'll be exciting. Yeah, there's going to be so psychedelic science is happening in April of 2017, um, and April 19th, Bicycle Day, it starts right. You know, we uh, we are conscious of that. <laughs> <laughs> just just some wild coincidence. <laughs> you know, synchronicities abound. Um, yeah, and it's going to be great. Um, a, a large percentage of the field of people doing psychedelic research are going to be there presenting their work. Um, um, so I recommend it. <laughs> yeah, and so it, it can... This is what I try to say during all of my shows is because I go, people are like, well, what, what is it like? And cause I, I did like Minot, North Dakota, and I've been doing like a bunch of small cities as well. I mean, you know, I've been doing big cities all, all week, but I've done plenty of small cities. And other than a couple misses, people, people don't expect those shows to do well in these more like rural areas and, uh, or more conservative areas. And a lot of those shows are the best response I'll ever get because those people don't have, like, a a lot of times, you know, there's all sorts of people in the community just because an area happens to be more conservative or more liberal or whatever. And and those people don't have access to this kind of entertainment or to meet like-minded people. And I try to encourage people people like after the show to get to know one another just so they can make some like-minded friends and yeah and if you're interested in doing more of that this conference is the uh, is a great opportunity to meet like-minded people and um how how many people usually attend do you have any idea you don't don't i don't know okay Uh, (laughs) it's a it's a big deal though it's yeah um it'll, it'll be a large event um so I I think we've talked about this before um but I just want to uh because I keep on getting asked after shows um there's a lot of people with PTSD that come to my show and just so I make sure that I'm giving them the clear information. I imagine at this point still pretty difficult to get into a study because say you're doing 200 people or whatever that's there's a whole lot of people in this country with PTSD. I'm, I'm sure you guys have 
no trouble finding um, participants. Uh, are there what kind of criteria um, are you? What what is that process, and what's the criteria? Because it's kind of it seems like you're using mostly just like the worst of the worst kind of cases, people that have had this for 15 to 20 years, right? And- well, so people need to have moderate to severe PTSD in order to qualify. Um, as to whether or not we, you know, are flooded with people who are seeking the treatment, it actually tends to depend on the location of the site and um a variety of factors. We are actually we have right now in Charleston, South Carolina, we're recruiting for our um, for a study that's looking at um, MDMA assisted uh, cognitive behavioral conjoint therapy in couples, where one participant has PTSD and the other is a significant person in their life. I said couple, but it could be your best friend. Um, oh, and they both do it. They both do it. Um, oh, neat. We're really excited about this one. And yeah. surprisingly, uh, we, we have only uh, filled half of the study. Really? So Well, you know I think after this podcast, <laughs> lots of people are going to be moving to Charleston. Yeah, and listen, that's the thing, too. Is it's like, so maybe we have a list 200 people long, um, but some depends. other place. But if, you don't, if you're not in the location where the study happens to be, um, that makes it more difficult. Is there is there like a list on the site or anything of all of yeah, all the different website, locations? There's, yeah, all the different study locations are on of our are on our, are on our website maps.org. Uh, how many are there? Ball uh, just ballpark? Do you have any idea? Um, we can count them. <laughs> active active studies closing out. We're, we're we've closed out most of our we, we, all we work. Yeah, all of our phase two studies are are done. Mm. Um, and then we have these other studies. Um. We're also do we, the like the uh, uh, the so this one study in Charleston is is one that is recruiting. Um, we also have a study. Um, we have two studies that are not with PTSD that are that. Um, what are they? They are. Uh, they one is in Los Angeles and it's MDMA assisted therapy for social anxiety in autistic adults. Um, and one is. I bet I could sneak in that one. Well, you know. Um, <laughs> I actually so and, and I'm. It's possible that recruitment has been completed for both of the studies that I was about to mention. But the other one is um, uh, a, a study about using MDMA assisted therapy for anxiety associated with a life threatening illness, mm. and that's in Marin County, California. Ah, uh, it, so it's like end of life stuff. Well, or? you know, it's like people. You know, you might get a terminal diagnosis, and you might you might end up actually going into remission. So it's not necessarily the end of their life, but um, faced with the prospect of a life, you know, a life threatening illness, um, people often, you know, have a lot just in addition to the illness itself, um, just the, the confrontation with mortality um, and just all and just the stress of the illness itself and all of the thing in like the way it's changed their lives. Um, it can have a lasting impact on people. Mm. Um, and a lot of times that, that that's in and of itself worth treating. Well, that is awesome. Well, I'm, uh, I am so happy for you guys and it's so excited and I can't wait to, uh, keep on checking back in and learn more in the future. Um, so good luck with, with, uh, with phase three and getting, getting all of the, how, how long do you think it'll, 
do you have any idea how long it'll take to put together and and get get the actual specifics approved and um we're hoping that um i mean probably some we'll have some good news by uh next summer for sure all right well terrific thank you allison so much um and uh, thank you listeners for uh being smart curious inquisitive people Hey guys, sorry we missed an episode last week. I'll try not to make it happen again. There's plenty of episodes in the bank now. I just have not had any free time to do the uploading and stuff that's usually very simple tasks. Um, I, I've had some changes in my career lately. That's why I missed the episode last week. So I've been kind of, I've had a lot more on my plate. Um, lately I, I got rid of my, my management before the tour and then i just uh, went our separate ways with uh, my agency a couple weeks ago because they were uh, kind of just getting in my way as far as booking gigs and getting a special they just want to concentrate on trying to get me a tv thing um so that they can kick up their feet and not have to work it's a lot of work to book a tour and you have to call people and you know uh, be in a different city every day and so that requires making calls and doing emails and, and, uh, rather than just have me do a TV show and, uh, kick up your feet and not have to do anything and collect, uh, 20% of my money. So I am doing this all myself now. Um, I, I have been, honestly, I booked 50 of the cities of this tour anyway, and they couldn't even keep up with the simple tasks of doing my my contracts and i was getting frustrated because they weren't booking international stuff like they were overselling their ability to do and so i'm just taking over and doing everything myself which is a lot more work but way more freedom so next year i'm going to get the opportunity to concentrate a lot more on trying to do here we are live which part of the reason why it was hard to start putting that together was because it was, it's just a, a bit more work and potentially um, uh, smaller venues and whatnot to start off. And so there wasn't as much incentive for my representation to do that. And so now that they're not in my way, I can just do that my damn self. And I'm also doing the uh, Psychedelic Science Conference in 2017 and which was another hard thing to work out with my um, representation because they weren't uh, thinking very long term about it and are worried uh, way too much about paychecks. Um, so I'm so excited. It starts April 19th through the 24th. We've confirmed it. It's This is a conference that happens once every four years. It's in Oakland, California. And it is the who's who of the psychedelic society. Um, and I'm going to be doing the first, the world's first psychedelic comedy banquet. Um, I probably shouldn't say, I'm not sure it's a hundred percent confirmed, but I think like Duncan Trussell, I think some other people that I think Duncan's confirmed for sure, but uh, there's some other um, really big names that are going to be there. Super exciting. It also sounds like I'm probably doing the Here We Are podcast live at the Psychedelic Science Conference, and I think I have some other ones already lined up, and I've added some gigs 
um, for Florida for the end of this tour in February. And since leaving my representation, I'm now this close. I was very far away, and I'm now this close to getting a special made. Uh, so hooray for doing it yourself. Um, sometimes, uh, no one is going to care about as much, um, as much about your career as you do. Not sometimes always, but, um, so yeah, so I'm really looking forward to 2018 because I'm still going to be doing international stuff. Um, and I'm working on putting that together right now, but now I'll get to concentrate on doing the podcast live, which is what I really wanted to concentrate on for next year and wasn't being put together until now. So, um, again, uh, sorry that we've missed a couple weeks along this tour, which, um, is, is, uh, going great. I mean, I'm, I get a little, a little tired, a little burnt out sometimes. I mean, who doesn't? That's a, a lot of people, uh, a lot of, uh, there's a whole lot of hardworking people out there that get by on uh, a little bit of sleep. And I, I have been trying to get my rest. It's been going pretty well. I, I just have some streaks that are rougher than others where there's just a, a quite a bit more driving each day. Um, but really, overall, it's just been such an exciting and fulfilling and fun ride. And I think... Um, uh, without count, I'm just going to guesstimate. I believe I've, I believe I've sold out the last ten shows on the tour, and it just keeps on building, and building. And um, I mean, why, why wouldn't I stick with, with touring rather than trying to uh, play the lottery to make some um, TV show that a bunch of people would change and I'd have no control over and would ultimately be unsatisfied with. But, um, but anyway, so I'm going to concentrate on more live shows, getting a special made, doing more live podcasts. Um, let me just quick plug the rest of my dates for the year. Let's start with, uh, let's see. I'm not sure when this is going to come out. Let's start with, with 12-7. We got Wichita, Kansas City, Memphis, Nashville, Knoxville, Asheville, Lexington, Cincinnati. S some sort of something happening with Evansville right now that I don't know if that's actually happening or not. Indianapolis, Iowa City, Milwaukee, Sioux Falls, Omaha, Des Moines, Appleton, Eau Claire, Winona, Royal Oak, Grand Rapids, South Bend, Kalamazoo, Los Angeles, um, Key West is now confirmed. The ticket link is up. Maybe it's not on my site. I'm having trouble clicking on it right now. These are a lot of the simple, busy work things that uh, that are hard for me to keep up with. But I've already started adding, um, I believe we've confirmed Jacksonville, and we've 100% confirmed Sarasota. And I, I definitely have more Florida stuff in the works it's just now i'm doing all of this by myself on top of all my driving but um but i i wouldn't be surprised if there's at least three more florida rooms we'll see i've i've been cautious about saying things in the past and it's usually about double what i think it's going to be um so uh i'm i'm really really excited right now guys and um starting uh, next week, we're going to get back 
more into other fields. I've been concentrating more on psychedelics lately because of the tour and everything, but uh, I have a bunch of fun ones in the bank with other fields and um, exploring some some new research to get into as well. So um, thanks again for listening, of course. And those of you that listen all the way to the end, you are my favorite. I'm Dave Ross. Hey, and I'm Hampton Young. And we host Suicide Buddies on Starburns Audio. That's right. It's a podcast about suicide, but not to make light of it. We actually talk about suicidal thoughts, depression, kind of with a sense of levity that Dave and I have with each other. He's my best friend. Come on. Yeah, we're buddies. (laughs) Suicide Buddies. (laughs) That's the title. One of our favorite episodes that we've recorded so far is about this guy, Jan Pataki, who was a Polish aristocrat in the 19th century, Mm -hmm. and he, uh, one of the reasons... it's possible that he killed himself <laughs> is that he thought he was a werewolf. Oh. Check out a clip. It also makes me think, like, we were talking about in the Norway uh, black metal episode, how, like, just the culture of your surroundings can affect you. Like, yeah. he's in a castle in Poland. He's Like, I mean, if yeah. you lived in a castle in Poland and no one knew anything about anything, you might be like, I'm a bat. I'm probably a bat. <laughs> 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 That's like literally what happened to Batman. <laughs> he literally is in his mansion. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm a, a bat. bat. I'm a bat. I'm a <laughs> bat. I'm a, I'm I'm a bat. bat that helps people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bat that helps people. I'm a, I'm a rich... I don't know what you want from me. And uh, my, and my a... girlfriend, she's a cat. She's a cat. My she, girlfriend's she, a cat. She steals things. She's a woman who steals things. She's a cat. I'm a bat. I'm a I bat. Help people. She's a cat. We fight a penguin. My. Uh, my... <laughs> 